Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from Mole Valley Farmers. Milk processes are demanding farmers produce milk more sustainably, meaning they're being forced to look for solutions on their farms. In this latest podcast, Mole Valley Farmers nutritionists Dr. Karenza Hawkey and Becky Hewlett outline ways farmers can feed their cows more sustainably. So let's not waste any time and get straight into this conversation with Karenza and Becky, two experts on how farmers can feed their cows more sustainably. Becky, Karenza, delighted to have you uh, both with us today on the Mole Valley podcast. First things first, just tell us a little bit about yourselves. Let's go with you first, Karenza. Hi, I'm Dr. Karenza Hawkey. I am a nutritionist and technical projects manager for Mole Valley. I joined Mole Valley about 12 months ago after completing my PhD, looking at alternative proteins for sustainable animal feeds. As a nutritionist, I technically support our East and Welsh teams out on farm. And then as my role as technical projects manager, I'm involved in product development, product management and any R&D that the company's involved in. And you, Becky? So hi, I'm Becky Hewler, a ruminant nutritionist based in Gloucestershire. I've been with Mole Valley for about three and a half years. I'm also part of the technical team and completing a master's in ruminant nutrition alongside. Fantastic to have both of you here. Great minds. We're going to impart some really useful information today. We're talking, obviously, about uh, feeding high-yielding dairy cows sustainably. Now, we hear lots, don't we, about sustainable. It seems to be everywhere, but it's so important. So for yourselves, what do you kind of take as meaning sustainability when we're applying it to this area? Um, well, obviously, the UK is committed to reaching net zero by sort of 2050. And as part of that, UK farming comes under that quite heavily. Um, the, we see the environmental demands are growing from both the general public, processors, farmers, the media and the younger generations pulling that through as well. So it's sustainability covers so many different things out there that it's quite hard to define as one thing. And for you, Becky, is it kind of like sustainability is bigger than just the diets when it's when it's on farm? Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's such a buzzword at the moment, isn't it? Um, and I think we need to get past that a little bit um, and just break it down um, into because because it, it's in, in every single aspect on farm. Um, and, you know, we're not going to it's not going to be one significant change that we're going to make. It's going to be small changes in, in different areas on farm and we'll change things little by little. Um, that, and that's going to make the, the real difference, really. And as an example of that, if we take sort of the heifer rearing on farm, if we reduce our age of first calving from sort of 30 months down to 24 months, we can reduce the carbon footprint of that part of the farm by 20 percent. So it's not about just hitting everything in one go. If we take little things and make improvements, the entire sustainability of the whole setup can be improved. Yeah, great points from both of you. And we're going to get into this. We're going to look at how we feed more sustainably. We're going to look at uh, things including about milk fats. What are the alternatives to soya? Um, loads of different things. What about from a forage perspective? So if you've come to the podcast, really keen to get some useful information about this area, then stick with us because over the next half an hour, you're going to get some real nuggets of information that you can take away. So let's start off then, Becky, on the farm. How much pressure is there out, out there on farm at, at the moment? So some milk processors, they've had raw material constraints for um, a few years now, sort of 
uh, Waitrose and M&S that they've got constraints on on soya and palm. Uh, but we are sort of we're beginning to see further requirements um, from other processes. Arla have just come out with their climate check report where farmers have the option of receiving an increased milk price by reaching certain sustainability parameters. Um, but then we've also got, you know, other milk processes, Tabuto, First Milk and White Farm. They're all clocking on and farmers will have to look at this in, in a serious way. So these are the big players who are demanding from their farmers that they are producing more sustainably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot more awareness around it, and um, which is increasing. And um, yeah, farmers, it, it's very topical at the moment. So these are the pressures that farmers are going to be under thinking, oh, I've got the the pressure from above coming down on me saying that I've got to uh, make my production process more sustainable. So I guess the question is then, how do we feed more sustainably? I think it's really important to highlight there's not one solution for everyone. So because farming, there's so many different scenarios out there, so many different systems, you know, whether you're just a dairy farmer or you're mixed farming or you're arable, you know, all those different types of systems will have different solutions to improve the sustainability. Um, I think there's a need to look at the farm in detail first and then highlight the best plan for that farm going forward um, to sort of look at the best options basically and whether that's the best option for sustainability but also for productivity and profitability as well because we need it all to sink as one on the farm. I think they all go, though profitability, productivity and sustainability, they all go hand in hand if you think that they're, they're all very much interlinked. Um, and just because, you know, we're being more sustainable doesn't mean it's going to be more expensive. Generally, it will it, it will increase production and it should make you more profitable. Um, so, yeah, and that's key, really. I think, you know, room and function is really important, um, getting that right and then going forward into, um, yeah, to, to drive efficiency within the cow. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Becky, about that room and function idea that, if we're feeding efficiently, we're driving the rumen in the direction that we want for that optimum output. And that optimum output can be different on different farms, whether you want the litres and the yield or whether you want to drive the milk quality. So then, then you're getting the bonus on your milk check or whether you want increased margin over purchase feed. You know, you need to outline what that requirement is on farm and then hit those targets by making a targeted plan. And I guess for some farmers, they're across this, aren't they? You know, some are real, real uh, passionate advocates for this type of sustainable farming. And there'll be others for whom what we're saying is going to require a mindset change. So for those people who haven't quite got into this yet or haven't quite gone down the road, what what is the need then? What what do what what are we looking at here in terms of how this diet changes? Well, I think this is that part of the problem is, you know, everyone is requiring something slightly different. So whether it's the need to reduce or remove soya, reduce or remove palm, um, just establish a baseline carbon footprint output for farm and then work on reducing that or whether it's just to improve sort of overall um, efficiency on farm. There's there's a lot that we could be working for. And I think for farmers, that could be quite daunting to begin with. But we need to start by just measuring on farm and working out where we are now and then what can be done to um, achieve the, the, the output really. So in terms of that, yeah, are we talking that you could get 
for instance, more milk from forage, from using sort of homegrown feed materials rather than stuff that's had to travel halfway around the world to get here? Definitely. So if you're utilising something that's been grown at home, obviously the carbon footprint in terms of travelling will be reduced on that product. Um, but also, if you want to feed more intensively, sometimes getting a higher yield out of high producing dairy cows means that you can drop your CO2 per litre of milk. So it's it really goes back to that system thing again and understanding, right, do you want to be a grass based system or do you want a really high yielding cow that's going to have a lower CO2 output per litre? It's it's not one fits all sort of, you know, we keep coming back to this point, but um or utilising something, a new crop on farm, such as beans, so you've got a protein source that you're growing on farm um, and thinking about things that way and then using your milk contract and really getting the price benefit out of your milk contract as much as you can and then being able to reinvest that money back into the farm to maybe sustainability in another part of the farm, such as putting solar panels in or that sort of thing, just as a different... It's all about the system and how things interact within that farm. Yeah, because I guess if you are looking at the overall picture, aren't you? It's about whatever way you on farm in your particular circumstances can lower your carbon footprint and just do things more sustainably. And I suppose, Becky, understanding the forage source on farm, perhaps differences between the silage cuts can can make a difference as well. Yeah, so obviously that's a that's a a, a big um, area for farmers is is growing really good um, high protein high high digestible forages, um, and that is something a big area that I think farmers can improve on. Uh, we're talking a lot more now about mixed forages, um, clover silages, clover lays, uh, herbal lays. I mean, this summer we all know the challenges that we've had this summer. Potentially a herbal lay um, on farm will be really helpful and just. Um, providing extra forage and, and it comes with a wealth of benefits, you know, sort of nitrogen fixation, and that's going to lower the carbon footprint output on farm as well. So that's going to be really helpful. So I suppose if anything, you know, Mole Valley's got an excellent agronomy service. Get in touch with the agronomy team if you do want that kind of specific on farm information that that would be really useful. Yeah, and um, we, we've got a wealth of, um, of knowledge from that team and they can provide forage nutrient plans as well. Um, and they can really, you know, they'll come out on farm and really look at where potentially where, where you are going wrong, something that you haven't considered. Um, so, so that's really helpful. And Carenza, then if we're sort of looking more into this, how do we then feed cows more sustainably? So if we think about the cow, obviously it's important to f remember that when we're feeding a cow, we're actually feeding the rumen bacteria. That's the main aim is to get the rumen firing in all, all cylinders and then we can utilise what those bugs can give us. So if we utilise specific nutrients to drive the rumen in the direction we want for that optimum output, it's all about sort of what can we do for that rumen to get it, get it driving as well as we can and then the cow will produce more efficiently. Um, so if we look at sort of milk quality to start with, if you're on a contract that is looking at you know providing more milk protein we need to be using nutrients to drive that rumen forward to be able to provide us with more milk protein so that's sort of understanding the energy sources within the cow um so what what starch sources are we providing are is it just one or should we be providing multiple starch sources so if it's multiple sources then we'll get different fermentation rates which is a different level of energy supply 
um, and this ultimately drives our propionic production in the rumen, which then drives the liver and then, you know, gives us more milk protein coming out of the other. Um, so, yeah, to drive that is really important. And then we can also look at milk fat, can't we, Becky? Yeah. So um, if, you know, a lot of contracts, they'd be looking at um, increasing milk fat and getting the bonus that way. Um, so there we need to be um, looking at balancing the acetate to propionate ratio in the rumen. Um, and a balanced ration with adequate digestible and physically effective fibre, uh, which will help drive a healthy rumen. Um, and we also need to think about TMR presentation, physically effective uh, fibre, which um, if you have a, a lower physically effective fibre, then we're going to drive intakes in, drive intakes in the cow. But if we have a higher physically effective fibre, then um, you, you are going to get more fat. But it's about just getting that balance right. It needs to be, you know, you need to just find the fine line for you. And I guess, I mean, it all sounds very technical, doesn't it? How these things all, all come together. And I guess if you want advice, then, you know, again, your, your local Mole Valley office more valley shop will be able to point you in the right direction of, of people within the team that can help with this definitely we've got sort of you know the more valley stores can then put you in the direction of who your local nutritionist is they can come out on farm take a silage sample discuss what your requirements are and sort of go from there and just have a you know open discussion and suggest different ideas they may think of things you've never thought of before which may be suitable for your unit yeah absolutely um and what about the use of protein on, on farm as well? So I think it's, well, it's, it's, it's well known that protein is a significant cost on farm. You know, that's that's to the farmer and environmentally. Um, it recently, protein, well, not recently, but for, for a long time now, protein prices have been through the roof. Um, and yeah, so feeding excess protein on farm is extremely costly for both the farmer and the environment. Um, so it's important to just make sure we're getting that balance right and we're not we're not excreting it because for the cow to actually break down additional uh, protein, it's extremely costly in terms of um, energy use. So she's using a lot of energy to break down unnecessary protein. Um, so we need to make sure we're feeding the correct balance. And that's an important source between uh, rumen degradable protein and bypass protein, making sure that we're getting the correct levels of both. I think it's important to note, though, that soya, you know, often gets looked at quite negatively because it's expensive and the associated environmental costs that Becky just mentioned. But I think it's important to note that it is a good source of these amino acids that make up this protein that we talk about but which gets utilised by the rumen bugs really effectively. But soy is also a really good source of energy as well. So if it's going to be used in the rations, that it gets used efficiently and we're not putting more in than we need to. Yeah, really good points. So if people are listening and thinking, OK, there's a lot of information there, but what could I do if I don't want to feed soya? for some of those environmental reasons, the fact it's got a bad name. Maybe there's pressure from the big milk players above looking to push me in one direction or the other. What alternatives then could there be to not having to feed soya? Well, firstly, we've got rape mill, which is our, you know, can be produced in, in Britain and we can produce homegrown rape mill quite within the farms. Um, it does have a slightly lower energy compared to soya and obviously a slightly lower protein so we may have to feed a little more in order to get the same sort of effects um, but then I think it's also really important to mention Novapro so Novapro is a British source of rumen protected rapeseed so it's 
rapeseed is taken and then it's heated and pressed. It's then pressed again, which removes sort of any residual oil there. It's then treated with xylig. So xylig is a wood sugar. So that wood sugar binds to the protein and that protects it from basically the rumen. So it won't get degraded in the rumen. So this passes through as what we call bypass protein. So that bypass protein can then balance any rumen protein, which is in the which is coming from the grass silages. So we're balancing our protein sources in order to drive the cow as much as we can. Um, and this Novapro, Mulvalli can provide now in a compound, a blend, or a meal, or as a straight on farm. So it's sort of any sort of system you've got, we can get this product in for you now. And at the research trial that was done with this at the University of Nottingham, they found that when you fed this Novapro compared to a rape and soya based diet, you actually increased your dry matter intake and you also got an additional 1.7 litres of milk um, due to its sort of protein digestibility, balancing within the room and these sort of things. Um, so, yeah, it's a good option if you're thinking of something different. I think there's a lot of... Um... You know, traditionally dairy, dairy cow diets, they were always sort of fed at 18% crude protein levels. And that was sort of a base. And that's what was required for, um, you know, getting those high litres. But times are changing and there's, you know, there's a lot of research and evidence to show that we don't need to be at such a high level. You know, you can still get high litres from the cow at sort of 16 17% protein level. Yeah, important points. And just remind us of the, the name of that again, Carenta, that product, if people were interested. It's called Nova Pro. And again, so contact your local Mole Valley outlet to uh, find out some more there about, about Nova Pro. Um, and you, you were just mentioning there about the crude protein levels, Becky. Uh, what, what about for you, Carenta, on that? Yeah, Becky makes a really good point. You know, we do we need to be putting this 18% crude proteins into these diet? Not necessarily. Um, I think historically, probably the reason was because we wanted to get the right levels of amino acids into these cows. But now we've got the ability to feed rumen protected amino acids directly. So in milk production, methionine, which is an essential amino acid, so the cow can't produce this, she has to have it in her diet. So that is limiting. So if we don't have enough methionine, it means that we're not going to perform. We need that and able to perform. So by supplementing these rumen protected amino acids such as methionine or lysine, they take up less space in the ration so we can get that lower protein and get the output that we require from the far, from the cow, sorry. So it means that we can sort of drive that production higher without having that crude protein so high but it's also really important to remember with something like methionine it's involved in so many different reactions within the cow it's not just it's not just going to help drive production it's also going to work as an antioxidant it's going to help with liver function and with the immune system so it's like multifactorial way of supporting the cow's production in that area yeah so becky makes a really good point with the you know silages this year coming in We've got the what was the forage shortage over the summer and that's into this winter now as well. But across the country, we've got such a wide variation from, you know, down in Dorset in Wiltshire where they're really struggling for forage. But then compared to up in Dumfries, 
they've got tons of grass silage and don't really know what to do with it because it's so powerful um so it's knowing your tools that you've got to be able to feed that silage most effectively so for example something like a yeast can really help utilize forage better within the rumen so feeding a live yeast will bring down the lactate production so supporting that acidosis that becky was just talking about and it will increase your fiber digestion so getting more yield out of the forage um, and ultimately stabilizing that rumen more yeah interesting point so becky you know you, we, we're talking there about forage can changing your forage affect farmers sustainability yeah and this is a really important point because um, ultimately diets are sort of they're made up mostly from forage and it's what farmers need to need to be maximizing on farm um so a combination of maize and grass silage can help to lower methane output because um well maize will the digestion of maize creates less methane than the digestion of grass um, maize silage and early lactation will also help provide more energy and improve feed efficiency. Um, but then just looking at from a grass point of view, um, sort of leafier, green, higher digestible silages, um, they're going to be better for the rumen, better for production, uh, be a lot more digestible. And um, they, that will have a lower methane output when you compare it to these lower digestible, stemmy, um, sort of older grass lays. Um, that's going to produce, it's take, going to take longer for the cow to digest, digest it in the rumen and um, that will increase methane output. The wider media seems to always like to make a bit of a field day about methane and cows and the effect on the environment. So I guess, you know, rightly or wrongly, anything that can lower the methane output, I suppose, is another win-win, isn't it, as a sort of aside to what we're, what we're discussing here? Yeah, and we've, we've said about this enough, but it needs to be um, small, like small changes affecting uh, on, on every aspect on farm. So even if, you know, if, if you are increasing your digestive beyond silage and that affects methane output by just a small amount, it is all going to add up and it will all make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what about feeding co-products? Would, would these help as well? So, yeah, co-products are, are really important. Um, and they're a fantastic source that we that we have in the UK. Uh, there's a whole range of products ranging from sort of distillers, uh, bakery products, cereals, uh, biscuit meal and that sort of thing. Um, and let's let's not forget that their carbon footprint is is incredibly low because they're produced in the UK and they're, um, it's, it's, a, it's a byproduct from the food industry. So that can help increase nutrient intake and reduce carbon footprint at the same time. So that's it's an important consideration as well. Yeah, and I think um, there had been a bit of a drop in beer consumption, hadn't there, I think. So the sort of the availability of that. But I guess there are lots of different sources of uh, co-products co that, that you can tap into. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, ranging from, yeah, bringing to brewer's grains, but also distillers syrups, um, citrus pulp and apple pomace. There's, there's a real wide range of products, depending on what you're looking for in, into the ration, really. So that's when, you know, once you have realised what your grass silage is and how that's performed this year, working out what you need to fill in the gaps in the ration, that's where the co-products can sort of come into its own. Karenzi, you look like you might have been wanting to say something on that as well. No, I was just going to agree with basically what Becky had just said, and she sort of finished my point off there, um, that how important it is to use these products. And um, yes, there may be variable sources of them at some times, but it's important to talk to your nutritionists and sort of they could basically 
suggest a co-product that you didn't really know was about or wasn't available for you on farm and also with this we can sort of look at margin over purchase feed and whether using a co-product could help improve your margins as well as the sustainability at the same time yeah absolutely so we've kind of rattled through a lot of different things there and i'm sure you know people can go back and listen to it again and take in more of what what that you've said so we've kind of set it up as to how we could be more sustainable but how would farmers go about monitoring if their cars are their cows are sustainable i think you know you need to sort of record changes within the herd whether that's a monthly meeting with your nutritionist and you sit down and look at the rations um whether you're looking at costings on farm so sort of looking at the financial side of things and how much cows are milking how the qualities are changing both month to month but also year to year depending on your silages um, and then Mole Valley's also got our environmental report, which is where we can calculate the carbon footprint of an individual's herd specific diet. Um, and then alongside that, we can estimate and calculate the nitrogen and methane impact of different diets. So basically providing you with more information on your farm as to what your diet would be doing in terms of sustainability. And so then you could almost draw a line in the sand from where you are now, make some changes see where you then end up yeah and i think um that's such a good point Karenza, like the ability to be able to see um sort of the carbon footprint of that diet and then um if, if you know going forward being able to just see what changes in the diet and what effect that has on the carbon carbon footprint of the diet um it's a really useful tool i think we're yeah very lucky i think it's going to become very useful in the future ladies this has been great and as i said just moments ago we've kind of rattled through a lots of different uh, things that people can do. We've got quite scientific at points, which is always useful to understand exactly what goes on, because I think the more understanding there is, the better the implementation, if you understand more about how the process works, which I think is great. If we were going to take away some items, though, because we're reaching the end of this interesting conversation, what would be our kind of conclusions? What, what messages would we really want to leave farmers with? sort of the theme we've been going through the whole time it's important that one you know there's not one solution for one you know for every farm um there are a number of different solutions to fit all sorts of scenarios um if we're looking at improving the rumen healthy rumen equals a healthy cow and then we can get better sustainability and we can protect margins for the future yeah anything to add becky yeah, um, and that's a great point. It's just reiterate that it's just um, it is not a one size fits all. It's going to be a whole farm approach that we're going to need to need to be looking at. Um, and, you know, just a sustainability. It's um, it's so topical at the moment, but it isn't a bad thing. Try not to view it as um, in a negative way. Um, I mean, ideally, I think hopefully it's, it, it will lead to a more profitable farm. Um, so, yeah, tr start by just measuring things on farm and working out where where you need to be um, and where you are now and then sort of the steps that we need to put in place in order to get there. Yeah, really useful information. And if anybody was was under the impression that this is a fad and it's going to just disappear like certain things do, I think we can be pretty sure, can't we, that actually sustainability isn't going anywhere. In fact, it's only going to grow. Definitely. I think it's here to stay and we need to get the most out of it. Definitely.
Thanks ever so much for listening to our conversation today. If you'd like more information, then please check out our website, molevalleyfeedsolutions.com. That's molevalleyfeedsolutions.com. And we'll see you soon.